0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: There's a very bright shining
0: light, Sarajevo,
1: and they needed to kill that light. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. Explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo. Thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2.
0: U2, they represent a personification of our resistance.
1: The Hollywood Reporter hails Kiss the Future moving and inspirational. Kiss the Future! Viva Sarajevo! kiss the future new documentary now streaming exclusively on paramount plus go to paramount plus to try it free terms apply
0: what's going on everybody welcome back for another episode of shooting it straight with myself justin jackson and my man john john it's been a minute Uh, we took a little week off for all-star break and i got a chance to hang out with my family back home and all sorts of good stuff but obviously uh happy to be back uh, before we get right into it, I want to give a shout out to Johnny T-Shirt uh, for any apparel needs that you might need UNC-wise. They're the spot to go to. Um, and also Congruity HR, where Tar Heels can, Tar Heel fans can get a free payroll and HR needs assessment. Um, so, shout out to them for sponsoring these episodes. <music> It's a interesting time of the season. you have you have UNC obviously top 10 in the country. Uh, I guess the last two games um, that we haven't talked about, Virginia they go uh, against Virginia kind of a nasty game. 54 to 44 come out with the win. Um, but it's kind of expected when you go against them, especially going into Charlottesville. Um, It's a tough spot to play. RJ goes one for 14. Um, And still coming out with a 10-point win is, I think, very – you can walk out of there and say, okay, we got through that one and let's move on to the next one. And then go into a game against Miami, 71-75. to North Carolina pulls it out. Um, You know, before I get to uh, that man – which name is RJ Davis. Uh, you know, I think there were a few things that you kind of saw um, from, I mean, from both of these games, but mainly from Miami. Um, you know, I think it's something that we've talked about. You know, I've always said that I'll give credit where credit is due and against Virginia, Cormac was really the the only real reason that we were in control of that game for the majority of the game. Um, so shout out to him and, you know, getting into a a rhythm and finding some consistency when it comes to shooting. I think he had what five threes against Virginia or five or six of them. Uh, he had four or five of them in the first half. So, um, you know, I think that was huge for them, huge for him confidence wise. And I, you know, I was happy for him and was hoping that it could kind of carry over into the game, you know, against Miami and going forward. Um, but you look at, you know, you look at the stats, uh, Harrison Ingram, three for 13, one for five from three. Um, Cormac, three for 13, one for nine from three against Miami. Uh, Overall, North Carolina shot 44% from the field and 34% from three, um, and 57% from the free throw line. Um, And so I think my – one of my biggest takeaways is, once again, the consistency shooting-wise – you know, especially if you're, if you're in a game where Mondo is not as aggressive or as involved as he is going against, you know, O'Meara in, in with Miami, that's, that's a tough, tough matchup. He's strong, physical, um, seemed to kind of cause some issues. Mondo didn't seem all the way, you know, uh, trying to be as aggressive as he possibly could be. Uh, so when you have a game like that you have to have other guys to be able to you know step up a little bit now 42 points from one player as far as RJ i think can kind of you know carry that load a little bit uh, but when you look at when you look at a game like this maybe 6 and 12 in conference 15 and 14 overall box score and RJ's got 42 and then you go down the line it's 8 5 6 7 0 4 3 and come tournament time and come against a better team than a 6-12 and Miami team with two of their best players out, um, that's not going to necessarily cut it. And, you know, obviously it's hard enough to win in the ACC, so you leave a game, you know, after you win a game in the ACC and you are happy and proud and you celebrate that for a second. But I think there are certain things that this team is really trying to be as good as they, I think they can be. I think there's certain things that have to – have to change. Um, I think uh, the first first thing is free throws. When you look at free throws, you look at the free throw line, Mondo's one for six. I mean, as good of a game as RJ had, RJ had and he's a 90% free throw shooter, and he missed two of them. Uh, Seth missed two of them. So to miss nine free throws in a game like this, uh, where it's just a four point win, I think could definitely come back to bite you if it's a, against a better team or, You know, the game's a little tighter or whatever it might be. So I think free throws is one of the big things. Um, You know, those are easy ways to kind of see the ball go in the basket and maybe even get a rhythm if you're a shooter or whatever it might be. Um, And then I'm going to continue to harp on the shooting, the shooting aspect from the outside. There's certain guys on the team that it's just – it's a responsibility at this point for them to be able to knock down shots and space the floor. Um, Harrison is one of them. You know, I think when we saw at the beginning of the season, Harrison was shooting lights out. I mean, there for a while he was shooting like 50% from three and, you know, a crazy, crazy percentage. Um, And, you know, obviously I think, you know, people always say water kind of finds its level. And I think, you know, it's tough for somebody to shoot at that high of a percentage all season long. Um, But I haven't, you know, I haven't seen that same consistency really, From the start of the season, um, you know, it's kind of dropped a little bit as the season's gone on. And, um, you know, I think Harrison is obviously does so many things good for this team. Um, As far as rebounding, you know, I saw a stat that he's leading the ACC and rebounding in ACC play, which is crazy coming from a three man. Um, But, you know, I think shooting wise, if he's able to shoot a little more consistently, I think it's going to cause you know, make this team look totally different. Um, and then Cormac, just like I gave him credit against Virginia for basically carrying the load offensively. Um, you know, it's, it's tough when your quote-unquote shooter goes one for nine from three and three for 13 overall. It's just going to be tough, um, you know, if you're not able to have any, sp- you know, floor spacing outside of R.J., come tournament time and when you start playing against teams that really start to just try to take RJ out of the game, um, you know, it's going to be really tough. You know, you look at that Virginia game, if Cormac doesn't hit those shots and the way that Beekman was playing, you know, defensively on RJ, if Cormac doesn't hit those shots, they lose the game, you know? So you look at a game like this, if RJ doesn't have 42 points and Cormac shoots the way that he did against Miami, they probably lose this game as well you know, and obviously woulda, coulda, shoulda and, you know, whatever, you know, you can look at it and say, but Justin, they, they came out with the win. Why is it that big of a deal? When it comes tournament time, guys have to make shots. You know, people always say, you know, defense wins championships and, you know, that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, you got to be able to score the ball. Um, And so, you know, those two things I think are, are big. Uh, You know, defensively, I think, you know they've still shown glimpses of how good defensively they can be. Uh, you know, you look kind of you look at everything that was going on. I think guarding the three point line was tough for for them against Miami. Um, whether that was just scouting report, maybe they they didn't necessarily say to get out to some of these shooters um, on Miami, or it was just urgency. You know, whether they didn't get out there at a certain you know certain pace, certain urgency to get out to these three point shooters or whatnot, but you know, Miami shot 14 for 30 from three, which is 47%, which is going to be tough to beat a really good team if they're shooting that well. But once again, uh, you know, they out-rebounded Miami by three. Uh, you know, they held them to only 11 assists, which means a lot of Miami's offense was one-on-one, tough buckets, um, you know, things like that. So they also forced 14 turnovers. So, you know, I think, defensively I think they're still you know heading in the right direction going into the end of ACC play and tournament tournament play but you know there's just certain lapses within, within the game I think that you know if they can tighten up these games don't seem as close as they really seem and uh you know I think that if they clean that up I think they'll be fine but to the point and to the guy that I really want to talk about, R.J. Davis. You know, I, um, I've um i had the chance to play pick up a few times against R.J. Now, this was, I guess it was uh, probably two or three years ago. Um, and he has always been a player who knows how to just put the ball in the bucket. That's just what he does. Um, you know, I think he has some crazy amount of high school points and Obviously, now he's has a crazy amount of points in college. Um, but what we saw uh, against Miami, I think, was one that we, we might not see for a while, man. Um, RJ, 42 points, 14 for 22 from the field, seven for 11 from three. Uh, it's, it's tough not to put him you know, I was having this conversation. It's tough not to put him in the conversation of some of the real greats that have ever been to UNC. And uh, you know, he's averaging 20, what, 21? I think I just looked 21.7 points, which is the most uh by a guard, I want to say, since Charles Scott. Um, which is an unbelievable feat. I will say that. Uh, but Kind of the way that you've kind of seen R.J. playing this game, his consistency has been unreal. You know, you take away the Miami game where he was one for 14. He was going against, you know, arguably the best defender in the ACC and maybe one of the best in the entire country. And to bounce back and go 14 for 22 and have 42 points, set the record in the, you know, in the Dean Dome, and to do it in the way that he was doing it, was an all-time performance in my mind when it came to UNC, especially in my time watching uh, basketball with North Carolina. Um, so I really, you know, I don't want this just to be a show of just talking about RJ the whole entire time, but he needs his respects and he needs to, they might as well go ahead and put that Jersey up there, uh, right up there with everybody else. Cause what he's doing this year is it's unbelievable. It's, um, it's definitely uh, amazing to watch. He looks like he's having fun. He looks like he's comfortable. Um, and so it's so good to see that. Uh, it's so good to see somebody just to be able to play free and just to enjoy the game of basketball. So he's unreal. Uh, but, John, what would you, you kind of see, man, in the Miami game? I know I you know, kind of hit a few different points, but what, what did you kind of see that kind of hit home for
1: you? Yeah, I think first I wanted to speak to RJ Davis. He tied Brad Doherty for 10th in UNC history with over 1900 points, 1912 to be exact. So that speaks I think to justin what you're saying about RJ. He's just he's just a really great basketball player. One more fun stat that that UNC put out, it was the first time a Tar Heel outscored the rest of the team since 1983, when Michael Jordan scored a career-high 39 of UNC's 72 points, that was against Georgia Tech. So again, just putting RJ's performance in context. He played really, really well. But I think part of this game, too, was sort of the late-game collapse, if you will, for UNC. Uh, with 6.50 left in the second half, UNC was up 64-50. to 50. And it ended up getting down to just a two point margin for UNC. Uh, UNC was up 72 to 70. And as well as RJ was playing in the second half and all throughout the game, it did feel like a little bit that UNC kind of turned off their offense late and kind of maybe relied on RJ a little bit too much, um, especially when we're talking about like press breaks and, and things like that. There were some bad turnovers in there. You know, you, everyone, all five guys on the court still have to be playing at all times. Um, So, Justin, from your perspective, what did you see there in terms of the the late game situation for for UNC? And, you know, was there maybe too much emphasis on RJ as he was closing out the game? Um, Because as we, as we talked about, no one else from UNC scored in in double figures, uh, to sort of complement RJ's performance.
0: Um, you know, I think it's tough because when it comes down to crunch time, you want your main guys to be the most involved. And, you know, when you – it's easy to look at the box score and say, okay, nobody else scored in double figures, RJ's got 40, just give him the ball. But that's kind of what you want to do when it comes to these crunch time moments. Um, you know, one thing that I've kind of noticed throughout the season is when when North Carolina is up – towards the end of the game, they kind of get too conservative. You know, they kind of try to waste too much clock. I think we've talked about it before. They try to waste too much clock, uh, basically just trying not to lose. And I think there's a balance to finishing games from that standpoint. I think if you have a good rhythm, um, if the other team has shown that you, they can't guard a certain action or a certain player, or certain things, I think you continue to be aggressive while also being conscious of the clock. And I think at times, North Carolina will just come down. North Carolina will just come down and hold the ball until 10 seconds left on the shot clock. And then they end up not getting a great shot. So then the other team gets a stop and comes back down, scores, and they try to do the same thing over and over again. And I think there's a balance to, okay, you know what, let's take down at least 10, 15 seconds off this clock, but let's make sure that we're running an action or getting somebody the ball where they need to get it, where they've shown that they can score consistently throughout the game. And whether that's a high pick and roll for RJ in these situations, or RJ, a lot of times in this game, it was just a lot of, he was just beating his defender and whether it was step back threes or getting to the pain or whatever it might be. So I think... That's kind of what I would say would change a little bit. Um, But, I mean, you know, Coach Davis and that coaching staff, obviously they saw something and they thought that it would be best to try to just hold the ball, be a little more conservative. Um, And it is also tough because there's, you know, RJ only played 34 minutes, but towards the end of the game, maybe he was a little more tired um, from having to put so much into the scoring side of things for this, for this team, that game. Um, But, you know, I think that's, that's how you want it. You want your main guy to have the ball in his hands. Whenever I was there, it was Joel was going to have the ball in his hands. Um, You know, I would be involved some, maybe we'd get the, you know, if the bigs had a miss, had a a matchup that, you know, they could take advantage of, maybe we would get them the ball, whatever it is you want your main guys who have shown that they can score, or, you know, get something good consistently to have the ball in their hands and, you know, with a team like this, that's, you know, at the end of the day, they were desperate. They didn't have two of their best players. So guys were just out there playing as hard as they possibly could. I mean, Cleveland played the whole game. He played 40 minutes, you know, more guys played 36, 35. So a lot of times when it comes down to this, it doesn't really matter what the scoreboard is. There's going to be a certain level of desperation from the other team, just trying to fight. You know, they might not think that they can win necessarily, but they're going to fight to the end. And if, You don't have the right mindset going down the stretch. It might look like the way that it looked to end this game. You know, some carelessness, turnovers, uh, just not getting good shots, maybe because they were trying to waste clock. But, I mean, I like, you know, I kind of like them being able to go through these situations where, you know, it seems like they're kind of fumbling a little bit. Uh, but able to kind of hold on to the reins and finish out the game. Because a lot of times in the tournament, um, you know, there's not necessarily going to be just blowouts in the tournament. You know, there's not going to be games where you just start winning by 15 and you end up winning by 25. There's not going to be that because the desperation come tournament time is, Hey, look, if I lose, I'm going home. And, you know, it's different. It's even more different than a Miami team who really has nothing to truly play for from the standpoint of trying to win an ACC regular season championship or whatever that might look like. So, you know, as much as I would love to see North Carolina to stop playing around and just finish a game, I think these kind of games at times uh, could possibly help them going down the stretch. At least I'm hoping so, you know, I'll sit here and say that I, uh, I hope that they're able to kind of learn from these situations and be able to take it into other games. But, you know, I think, uh, it's just some of those lapses that I talked about. I think there's certain times where you can kind of tell they either get lackadaisical or they just aren't as locked in at the time. And, you know, just weird things happen when you're not playing the game the right way. It's just kind of how basketball works. If you come down you take a bad shot or you miss an open player, more than likely if you miss that shot, the other team's coming down and they're scoring. It's just kind of how it works. Um, so, you know, shout out to Miami for fighting. They definitely fought to the very end. Uh, you know, I really like uh, Larry Nade. I really like him as a coach. Um, but, you know, North Carolina was able to still pull it out. And a win is a win in the column. It doesn't go down as an ugly win. It doesn't go down as a pretty win. It goes down as a win. So we'll take the win and we'll move on, man.
1: Especially in this part of the season. It's crazy now. There's only three regular season games left for North Carolina. UNC plays NC State on Saturday, and then they follow up. With Notre Dame senior night, and then they finish the season obviously with Duke. Let's take a quick look at the ACC standings. Uh, UNC, right now, as we sit right here, we're recording on Wednesday, is 14 and 3 in the ACC. Duke is 12 and 4, and then Virginia and Clemson and Wake Forest round out the top five. So definitely a, a close battle. Every single game matters. Uh, in the ACC, obviously, from here on out when it's that close. Um, if you're a player, Justin, on this roster, how are you approaching these last three games of the ACC season? Before we talk about NC State specifically, just how is what's your mindset look like as you're trying to close out the year?
0: I mean, I don't know what better way to finish out the year um, than with these kind of three games. I mean, you've got an NC State game, which is a rivalry game. Um, then you have a Notre Dame game, which – You know, I think that would be a good test as far as it being, uh, I think people call it a trap game almost, um, you know, against a team like Notre Dame who nobody's really talked about, maybe nobody's, you know, truly worried about in the ACC, Um, but it's one that you have to go in and be locked in to make sure that they don't, you know, slip up and and catch you on on a bad night. And then you finish out the year against, you know, it'll probably be a top 10 matchup against Duke you know, the biggest rivalry, the biggest rivalry in sports in general. Um, So, you know, the mindset should be as best as you can, you take one game at a time and you try to look at every game as just another game, not necessarily as a rivalry game or whatever, you know, it might not be as easy um, as I'm trying to make it sound, but as much as you can just take it game by game. And if you can take it game by game, you know, Coach Williams used to always say the most important game is the next one, right? Like a lot of times you can kind of get so focused on, okay, ACC tournament is coming or what's our seed going to be for, you know, March Madness run and things like that. And, you know, you lose sight of the games that are right in front of you. And so when the games come, you're not necessarily locked in so much into that because you're thinking about, they want to be that number one seed in the tournament to make sure that we get, you know, get to be in Raleigh or whatever, um, you know, for certain for the first round or whatever it might be. So as much as they can take it game by game, you know, the first one is NC State, which is obviously a, a rivalry game and North Carolina got them the first time and, you know, they're going to come in with a little bit more fire. Probably it's a three o'clock game a day game which is you know always fun on a saturday so you know i think that's kind of what their mindset has to be and i think too at the same time keeping it it's kind of a balance keeping the same mindset as far as hey if we went out we kind of control what our seating might be going into these tournaments you know at the end of the day you want to be a number one seat because more than likely your path to try to make it to you know the final four and you know further is going to be a little bit easier as opposed to a two or a three seed. It's just kind of how it works. You know, you kind of earn that, earn that right. So, you know, that, that's also something big to keep in mind. If you can, you know, kind of use that, keep that in the back of your mind, uh, while you focus game in and game out. And, you know, I think for the players individually, it's a matter of just finding a rhythm, you know, it's, it's a matter of finding kind of, the way to play for everybody to feel involved, for everybody to feel in a flow, for everybody to feel good going into these last few games. Um, You know, the, the offense has kind of been, you know, I'll say up and down for the most part throughout the season other than RJ. And so if they can somehow find a way to have, you know, Cormac hit three or four threes per game, they can somehow find a way to have Harrison give us two threes and maybe get him – he loves getting to the block and posting up and things like that, maybe see if we can get, you know, two or three looks down there for him per game. Getting Mondo to be aggressive game in and game out just on the block, whether that's him, you know, making plays for others or being aggressive for himself. Um, you know, if they can get Elliot just to try to somehow get downhill as much as he possibly can to make plays for others and be able to finish at the rim and things like that. I think that's kind of what I'm looking for these last three games. If they can kind of figure out a way to be consistent as a team. Um, Because defensively, they've shown that they can be a really good defensive team already. And they've kind of shown that pretty consistently. And, you know, I think that side of the ball, as long as they stay locked in on that side, as far as, you know, personnel and things like that, I think it could, you know, I think defensively they're fine. So that's what I'm looking at going down the stretch, just trying to find consistency as much as possible in the last three games offensively um, because this team is a totally different team when guys are really making shots and knocking down shots. So that's kind of what I'm looking for. Um, so we'll see, man. It's uh, The season has been – I mean, they're top 10, 22-6. Um, the season has been a, a solid season so far. You know, three more. It's crazy that there's only three more games left in the in the ACC play, man. It's – it's time feels like it's freaking flying by. Um, but, you know, it's fun to see these guys be able to pull out all of these games. Um, it's fun to see guys like RJ play the way that he's playing and really kind of put his name in, you know, a certain conversation that not many guys um, are in and can be in. Uh, it's fun to see you know the guys have fun on the floor. It's fun to see, you know them just kind of coming together as the games go on. So you know, I'm very, very excited to kind of see where this season, you know, takes them and where they can end up.
1: And I think a big part of these last three games for me is an opportunity to really uh, get hot offensively. Uh, you know, we're entering March. Uh, I think Friday is, is March 1st. There's only, like we talked about, three regular season games left and then the postseason. Um, and this feels like a team in UNC that has the ability to just kind of catch fire offensively. We've seen it all season long with RJ Davis. He's been consistently hot as a shooter. Uh, there are some comments earlier this week by a, another head coach, I think the UCLA head coach, that RJ feels like a Kemba Walker candidate where he could just sort of take over March with his shooting. Um, But same with Cormac, same with Harrison, like some of other UNC's uh, shooters. You know, I know it's been an up and down season for Cormac as a shooter. He didn't have his his best game last game, but he's gotten a little bit better over the last stretch. In the last 10 games on above the break threes, he's shooting 35.3%. On corner threes, he's shooting 38.1%. So if Harrison can get hot over these last three games and carry that momentum into March, if Cormac, you know, for all the up and down shooting, if he can just get hot for like 10 straight games, all of a sudden this UNC team looks very different and very, very dangerous heading into March madness.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's all about just playing your best basketball at this time of the season, you know? So at the end of the year, at the end of the day, it doesn't necessarily mean anything, uh, you know, as far as what you've done 17 games into ACC play, you know, if you can finish out these last three games and go into the ACC tournament and into the NCAA tournament, and all of a sudden you're a 40% shooter, then you totally forget about what happened, you know, 20 games before all of the tournament started. So I'm with you. I think uh, that's, that's the big key for this team to be, kind of who they uh, can be, you know, if consistently they can, you know, shoot the ball pretty consistently. And at the end of the day, we're not asking guys to shoot 50, 60% from three. That's not, that's not realistic in the game of basketball. But if Cormac can shoot 37% consistently, you know, throughout the rest of the year and Harrison can shoot, 36% consistently throughout the rest of the year. This game, these games that plays, are gonna look way different than some of the ones that we've seen throughout the year. And that's just kind of how it is. You know, when you are one of the key players and you are kind of in that position of, you know, kind of a you know, floor spacer or shooter per se, it kind of just falls on your shoulders. And, you know, they've shown you know there's been games where they've shot the lights out there's been games where they haven't shot the lights out so if they can find somewhere in the middle you know and show some consistency there i think this team you know goes to where it needs to be and uh you know it, it could be really exciting to watch you know as the season kind of comes to a close
1: justin you said it unc plays saturday against nc state the game is at 4 eastern though i four don't eastern, want someone uh, showing up late Uh, Because they they listen to the podcast, I guess showing up early. It's a good point though, because Justin is in the Central Time Zone, uh, so it's three o'clock for him. We are talking to not Justin Jackson of the Texas Legends, but Justin Jackson (laughs) of the Minnesota Timberwolves, uh, which is super exciting. I know just uh, with the few minutes we have left here, Justin, I'd love to just hear a little bit about uh, the story of of what it's been like playing uh, in the NBA again. Uh, The last uh, few days for you, Um, you've gotten the opportunity to, I think, play three games with the Timberwolves, which is, um, you know, I'm sure exciting for you. So how's that been going? Yeah. I mean, I've, uh, I've gotten nothing, but um, I think the most time that I've
0: gotten so far is like 25 seconds. So nothing too uh, on the court, nothing too exciting, but obviously a huge blessing um, to get the 10 day contract and, you know, We'll see what happens after the 10 days. I think I'm like seven days in. So we'll see what happens after these 10 days, if they decide to sign me for the rest of the year. or You know, I'd go back to being a Texas Legends. Uh, but, you know, for me, it was just a—it's an honor and a blessing to get the call up. Um, I got the call, I guess it was the day before I had to head back for my All-Star break. Uh, my agent called me and said, hey, go and pack your bags. Minnesota wants you to come out there for a 10-day and so for me obviously they're you know they're number one in the west i think they i think they are they might be tied at this point um but either way they're one of the top teams in the nba uh, so for them to you know have the confidence or you know be have the interest that they had to have me come out here for a 10 day uh, when they really didn't need need anything um is definitely an honor and you know, just taking it day by day. You've got a good organization, some good people within the organization, all the players are super cool. Um, you know, guys really rock with each other out here. And, you know, so far it's not, the weather's not too bad. Um, yesterday I was, so I'm staying in a hotel across the street from the arena. And yesterday I was walking over, uh, I was going to walk over and I look outside and there's, you know, snow flurries going on outside. Um, and the day before it was like 65. So, you know, the weather hasn't been too bad other than yesterday. It got a little, got a little frigid, but uh, it's definitely an honor, definitely a blessing, man, to be out here and you know, hotel living uh, and enjoying the the you know the Minnesota Timberwolves. So, uh, you know, we'll see what happens after these ten days. And you know, by I guess by the next time, by the next time we uh, do a do another podcast, I guess it'll um I'll either be back in Frisco, Texas, or I'll be you know, here for good, at least for the rest of the season. So I guess, you know, stay tuned if you want to see what, what happens with me, but definitely, definitely blessed to be out here, man.
1: That's exciting. I cannot tell you how many people in the last week on the message boards talking to me in person, et cetera, they come up to me and they say, John, is the podcast going to continue? We need to know, now that Justin is in the NBA, is the podcast going to keep going? So the, the people want the podcast to continue, Justin. So we'll be back next week to talk about NC State, to talk about Notre Dame, obviously to preview the big Duke game. And then you know from there, we'll see what happens. UNC plays on Thursdays, potentially, um, throughout the season. So maybe we'll do some live shows in March, reacting to the games. We'll see. Uh, we'll, we'll go as far as UNC goes. Uh, this season. Uh, Justin, any final thoughts, closing thoughts uh, uh, after UNC's win over Miami?
0: No, I mean, I think, like we talked about, it's uh, all about consistency with this team. You know, you have RJ, who's unbelievable, first-team All-American. You've got Mondo, who is you know, Mondo is Mondo. He's, he's got the numbers to back up uh, the things that he's done in his career at North Carolina. He's shown glimpses throughout this season of what he can do and what he can, you know, the havoc that he can cause down low. Um, and then you've got the supporting cast and if the supporting cast can be consistent, a little bit more consistent offensively, um, I think this team can go really, really far and I'm excited to kind of see that. Um, so, you know, these last three games going to, you know, to finish up ACC play, I think it's going to be exciting to see. Um, so, you know, we'll see where they go. We'll see what adjustments they make going forward, if there is any. Obviously, I think the coaching staff is doing an unbelievable job, you know, top top 10 team in the country, you know, playing pretty good basketball at this point of the season. Um, so, you know, it'll be interesting to see how they're able to finish it out, um, you know, from the standpoint of everybody watching and listening, you know, for one, you know, I appreciate everybody. You know, the the podcast will go on as long as North Carolina goes on. So um, we definitely appreciate all the love and all the support and all the listeners and watchers and all the above. Um, We love doing this. Obviously we took a little bit of a break just for all star break and to be able to enjoy the family. But, um, you know, thank you once again for everybody that listens and watches. Um, We really appreciate it. And for us as fans, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say it until the last buzzer hits for North Carolina basketball. Let's just continue to support. These guys are are putting uh, some pretty, a pretty good brand of basketball out there on the floor each and every night. And so for us, we need to sit there and support even through times when we think that uh, something could be a little bit different, something could be a little bit better because um, they, they feel it, they see it. Um, and these players have shown that they are, uh, you know, they're doing their job. So once again, thank you, everybody, uh, for watching and listening. And uh, yeah, we'll talk to y'all later.